Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8, 88, wherever you are, right across Australia, on the Faith FM network. You are joined by myself, Lawson, and my wonderful, amazing co-host for today, Blair. Blair, how are you doing this morning? Good morning. Feeling great. Yeah, doing awesome. Feeling great. Feeling good. Doing good things. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, well, I guess I just want to start this morning's show uh, by apologizing. (laughs) So we got some text. We're having a very heated discussion. (laughs) You had some unfiltered opinions. Well, look, it wasn't a heated discussion amongst us, but we've... So we're considering doing a, a story about cashless society this morning, well, cashless society and all these kinds of things. And the last time we talked about it, it kind of ended up in a bit of an argument. So we were considering why we weren't going to talk about it. And I kind of just let my unfiltered opinions, you know, out of the, you know, this is, this is what I feel and this is what I think happened. And yeah, I don't think it was anything too embarrassing or whatever, but it was just very, very raw. And, uh, what we didn't realize is that all of our microphones were unmuted. They were. And many people could hear. We had multiple text messages come through. Um, so shout out those people who wrote in. Shout out Janelle and Sherry. Thanks for letting and, us know. And, uh, for helping us uh, so that it didn't go any further. And you know, I, you know, I'm sitting here now, and I'm not necessarily like completely unproud and, and like you know unembarrassed and disgraced with myself. You know, we weren't gossiping about it anymore. Oh, no. We weren't doing anything like that. We we're just talking about cardless society, cashless society. But we did ruin the song. But yeah, that's right. So sorry for all of you guys who are really enjoying that song and you know we're really looking forward to getting into some positively different radio this morning. And uh, yeah, you were met And with... then we muted the song. And then we muted the song as well for a minute because we just out of sheer embarrassment, you know, so we uh we had a moment of silence it seems uh, so hey guys listen uh we onwards hope, and upwards we, we hope that you're joining us for the rest of the show so that you can be blessed by again positively different radio today because we have some fantastic things to share you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different joined by lawson and blair and blair give us our first quiz okay all right we got a a clue and uh, a, qu- a quick question. It says, who commanded the sun and the moon to stay still? Mm, of course. Who commanded the sun and the moon to stay still? Now, if you know the answer to that one, you can text us. 0491-064-669 is that number that you'll get us on. That's right. And there's an awesome prize this week. The prize of the week is risen by... Clifford Goldstein, yeah, friend of mine, actually. Oh, there you go. Great guy. We've been talking him up all week. Oh, you know, he's I, a good man. I was able to listen to him speak. I believe it was 2018 when he came here to nice. Australia. And yeah, he's just so funny. Oh, like, he is. He's, he's quirky. Hilarious. Funny. And he's a genius. A fantastic writer. Yeah, Very good writer. Really, really writer, good. editor for years and years. So, And we have this book, Risen, which is essentially like a symposium on the resurrection. You know, what it was in its historical context, what it is for us today you know, theologically and practically as well. It has such incredible chapters. Like my personal favorite is Jesus dead. You know, the, that one right there. Or the Elvis Sighting Society, which obviously is is references to, you know, d- different things. Again, as we said, you he's quirky. He's quirky. He's funny. But he is so smart and is such a good Bible expositor. And so we want to give this to you absolutely for free. If you win the draw. That's right. And how you get in the draw is by answering these questions correctly. We're going to have five questions today. And that first one, again, was if you can give it to us, Blair. Who commanded the sun and the moon to stay still? If you think you know the answer, you can text it in. 
Absolutely. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. Oh, you got a text message, Blair, from, from Margie. Uh, she says, yes, Lawson and Co., Behind closed doors, we forgive you. Don't do it again. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Thank you, if you just picked up the show this morning, we kind of had our mics unmuted whilst we were having, you know, some banter uh, before the show started about uh, cashless societies, and uh, you know, it was pretty raw. But um, hey. Fantastic. Let's get into our show. What's happening in positively different news today? Oh, there's some fantastically good news. Um, the first good news that I want to share, and this is, I mean, to me, I'm so stoked on this. I know that maybe you won't be as much Lawson because mm-hmm. you don't like animals. Hey, no one said that. No maybe you do. That. But this is fantastic news. It is always good news mm. when a very rare or endangered animal is sighted and spotted. No, that, that's incredible it's news. It's awesome and exciting news. And even more so when it happens in your own backyard. Mm. And so I'm a bit of a bird watcher. I've shared that uh, on this show before. Uh, mm. I'm not hiding that uh, I, you know I, I, I lower the average age of bird watchers by about 30 years but that's okay that's awesome that's, that's okay awesome. Um, and something super exciting there is a very uh, it's a critically endangered bird called the regent honey eater it's mm-hmm. a beautiful bird black and yellow um, got a little warty face and there's less there's a, around probably around 250 of these in the wild only Mm. Only 250 of them. They used to expand a much larger territory across Australia, but now they're basically just between Victoria and South Queensland. And um, what, what's really exciting, uh, they've been doing a captive uh, release program at Tronga mm. Zoo where, where they're raising birds, releasing them, banding them, all of this sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but, but the exciting thing is that just over the last two, three weeks, there have been a great big group of about nine or ten Regent honey eaters spotted in Morissette. Oh, wow. That's right. That's like literally around the corner from where I live. And uh-huh. I'm an enthusiastic bird watcher. So I saw these sightings come up on eBird, yeah. which is the database where we log all these rare bird sightings. Mm-hmm. And I went and tracked them down. I went into the bush. It's near the, um, the hospital, Morissette Hospital there in the middle of the bush. Got to walk through the dirt about a kilometer uh, through mud and all that. Uh-huh. But got there and, and uh, saw and a whole... found them. Found them. Oh, that is so cool. Found the region, honey. That is honey. so cool. It's, You're like exploring and like tracking right. these things. Down. How do you track them down? Now, unfortunately, I did put a, a bump on a scratch on my car from the uh, extreme fall driving getting there. <laughs> but that's okay. It was worth it. I, 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 I bet it was not extreme. Yeah, it wasn't really. It was just <laughs> under the power lines. <laughs> you know, those parts. Yeah, of yeah, the, yeah, yeah. But, but okay. But, yeah, so... You tracked them down. Did you listen to their call? Absolutely. Or? They have a beautiful call. I should have pulled it up. We could have listened to it. But, yeah, mm. you can listen to it by Googling it. Um, mm. And it's a beautiful call. And and it was just amazing to see uh-huh. around 10 of these wild birds. They weren't bandits. They weren't released birds. They were fully wild birds. And this is good news. It means that their territory is spreading they were, and mm. they're, you know, they're doing well. So I think that's great news and we can celebrate it. Of course. It. Human yeah. conservation is our original job that's been given to us by God. Well, the humans and conservation and the conservation of this earth, of course. We talked about Faith FM about, you know, people going to extremes on that. And, you know, our real mission now, you know, as well as looking after the earth is to share the gospel. But, yeah, definitely our original job was to, to protect the world that God had given us. And uh, it's amazing to hear, you know, when, when things are going well. And especially with beautiful animals like birds, it's awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly right. Hey, another good news story. Um, there is a group of 20 
to 30 young people out at the moment. Oh, amazing. Uh, in Raymond Terrace and in Kempsey, uh-huh. uh, out distributing life-saving literature in the community. Mm-hmm. It's a program called Youth Rush. Mm-hmm. I've got the privilege of helping to run it. Mm-hmm. And Lawson, you have the privilege of being a participant in it. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, It's been the perfect... Uh, I'm currently on mid-year break from my studies. And, you know, it's like, okay, I need to have something to do during the day. I'm, you know not working full time anymore i'm just doing the radio show in the small in, in the morning and uh yeah i have the opportunity to be a part of the youth rush program and get out into our communities and to be able to share amazing literature with people that is life-changing every day on the doors we're meeting people who are in need who are uh you know and and, and we have the opportunity to share life-saving books with them that suit their circumstances and the stories that are coming out each yeah, day of absolutely. the young people, just, mm. you know, the people they're meeting on the doors, they're praying with, the books that just, the, the divine appointments mm. that God's setting up. And it always inspires me to see young people willing to put themselves out of their comfort zone. Um, it can be a bit scary just walking up to mm. a stranger's door and talking to them and offering them books, but mm. putting themselves out of their comfort zones and doing something great for God and His cause. And so I think that's fantastic positive news, and I want to celebrate it. And, and um, yeah, the, the people who are involved, the average age is around 15. So yeah. it's a young group. Wow. That's uh, up in Kempsey, yeah? Kempsey between... We have one Kempsey, one in Raymond Terrace. Yeah, yeah. Oh, simultaneously that's awesome. Running. Yeah, down in Raymond Terrace where I am, we've got a bit of a smaller group down there, and I think the youngest person in our group is 17, and then I think I'm the oldest. Or, I'm, uh, oh, well, you could say Harley or Brenton or you know, some of the guys running it are the oldest, but I'm, I'm 24, and we're just getting out in the community, sharing these books. I think we had some testimonies come in yesterday. Um, one particular guy it was... There was a there was a pair of them, and they went to a door, you know, knocked on the door. This lady comes, and they're, they're canvassing them the books and showing, oh, here's a health book, here's a mental health book. And then, you know, they move into the – they have a kid's book that they show, and then they move into the spiritual. And they're like, oh, this is about finding freedom from worry, guilt, and fear. There's mm. peace above the storm, these kinds of things. And oh, uh, you're giving the canvas right now. I love yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. The lady standing at the door – starts to, you know, initially she's not interested, but then she starts explaining about how her husband had recently passed away and she's she's a little bit, you know, older, a lot of retirees in Raymond Terrace um, and, uh, you know, explaining this and, and kind of working her up and getting her quite emotional. And again, like we, these books that we're giving out, you know, there's health books and whatnot, but like Peace Above the Storm, The Great Controversy, these are books that, this isn't just a set of books, this isn't HelloFresh, this isn't anything like, this is stuff that we've read and we know changes lives. Like the primary reason why we're there, yeah, we receive donations in return because we're out there on the doors working and these books cost money, but it's like we are out there distributing literature that changes lives. Absolutely. Really. And, uh, And again, my friend, my friend who's on the door, he goes into the canvas. Shout out, Gabe, by the way. He goes in, again into the canvas for this book, Peace Above the Storm and whatnot. And the lady's like, oh, well, I'll take that. And what about this one? And I'll, I'll take that one too. And I'll take it. And then she ends up buying every single book in this guy's hand <laughs> and paying double what they're worth. Not because they asked her to, but she's just like, you know what? I love what you guys are doing. And I think I'm, I want to get into this book straight away. And, you know, I, I think that this is what God led you to my house to share this with me. And I just want to show my appreciation and just starts giving him $50 wow. notes, you know. And, and he was so blessed. And he's a young guy. He's 18. Uh, he's, you know, had to go into uni. Like, he's a young guy spending his school break out here distributing life-changing literature. Mm. And, you know, he's blessed in return as well. The fact that the windows of heaven open for him. Absolutely. And so we just had experience after experience like that 
yesterday. Uh, God but, bless that lady, like, and I pray that as she reads that those books, that they do bless her and change yeah. her life. But this is one testimony of many people who are just being incredibly blessed out there. And yeah, the program will be continuing on for you know the rest of this week and next week as well, which is just amazing. Pray for us. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we are going to have our next quiz. Absolutely. The next quiz is, is Horeb the name of a town or a mountain? Horeb. What do you reckon? Town or mountain? Well, I can't say because <laughs> that's that's for the listeners to decide. As a rhetorical you've, question you've got, for you. You've got a 50% chance. That's right. 0491 Again, is the horror of the name of the town or a mountain? If you know the answer, you go into the draw to win uh, Risen by Clifford Goldstein, which is just, again, an incredible book getting into the resurrection of Christ. And again, we, we see the resurrection of Christ. It is the climax of the biblical story, essentially. You know, it's, it's like the the function or the form of every story is like build up, build up, build up. You know, it starts with a problem and there's like a build up, build up, build up, and then you've got a climax and then you've got, you know, the, the resolution at the end. The resolution after that is, you know, reading the epistles and the, you've got the book of Revelation, that kind of thing, which is kind of looking at the future and whatnot. But yeah, the climax of the biblical story, the reason we're Christian at the end of the day is because of the resurrection. And that's, re- that's what Paul says, isn't it? He yeah. says, if it weren't for the resurrection, all of our preaching would be in vain. Absolutely. So this is a fantastic book that you want to get answers in for. Again, is Horeb the name of a town or a mountain? 0491 You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and we are going to check in with a country that we've been following more and more closely lately. You know, when we've had Voice of the Martyrs come on and speak, um, we've been highlighting things that have been taking place in China because it's... It's like I, I have a particularly interest in China because I have many Chinese friends here in Australia. One of my best friends is a Chinese Christian. And it's like really, you know, when we're looking over in this space and we're seeing what's taking place there, I, th- I think it's a real model of authoritarian Christianity, which is like being imported from the Dark Ages to now. Now you're thinking, wait, isn't Christianity persecuted in China? And the answer is yes. And I have one story here. It's about a Chinese church that has been fined 70, uh, 780,000 yuan or 85,000 um, pounds, you know, roughly, you know, $120,000. Wow. Um, for their being charged with making an illegal income. Now that amount of money comes, that's church offering for the last, oh, last couple kidding. of years. And this is a church that has been shut down by the government and now its leaders are being sued and taken to court over this kind of thing. And so for churches that the government doesn't approve of, they're just throwing the book at them. They're throwing the leaders in jail. They're making these churches go underground. And I've got a number of friends who are part of underground Chinese Christian churches. Um, and oh, and I, I wish I could tell you guys more about it, but I just can't because of the sensitive nature of this topic like it's mm. and, and i don't want to be responsible for outing these people but like you know voice of the martyrs working with them as well it's like a really hectic situation going over there going on over there but then simultaneously as i said authoritarian christianity in china how is that happening you've then got approved christian churches mm-hmm. one of them is called the three self church um and it is a network of churches over there very much like campus model um that they're using in the united states with mega churches and whatnot um all over china 
And they just had a massive a meeting, you know, a convocation, you know, for a, a strategy that would reach the world. And initially, when I read something like this, I'm like, hey, that's that's not necessarily a problem. Their big thing is that they want to change the face of world Christianity. And when I think of meetings that I've had with with people, you know, about uh, or I think of, say, a, a meeting like AYC, right? Uh, Adventist Youth for Christ. And it's like we get together and we're like, we want to change the world. GYC even, which is the global version of that, you know, global youth um, getting together. And it's like we want to change the world with a message of Christ. Amen. Amen. That's exactly what we're, we're at now. We just talked about uh, Youth Rush, Outselling Brooks. We want to change our communities with a message of Christ. But again, notice the language of this. Change the face of world Christianity. So they have their, their goal, their endeavor is to, to make some kind of change within Christianity. But what is that change that they're wanting to make? Mm. Well, essentially, <laughs> they want to communize Christianity. Wow. They, the, the, version of Christianity that they have been trying to get across, and this has been reported by an Italian-based um, Religious Liberty web magazine who mm. kind of had you know reporters and, and fingers and hooks in these meetings that were going on, because they were like... So take, they happened in China, the meetings? Yeah, the, the meetings happened in China, and then were being broadcast to different areas in China as these groups of pastors were getting together, and then there was some information of that coming out they back made to, it out. Gotcha. to the rest of the world. Um but we have some quotes from some people who were reporting on this. Uh, it says, Slowly but surely, three self-churches are being transformed into ideological indoctrination centers for Xi Jinping-style communism. Wow. Furthermore, with the tiny veneer of Christianity becoming tinier and tinier every year and every day. And again, as I said, this sounds very much, you know, like an import of something that came out of the Dark Ages, which is exactly what we see when we look at the history of popular Christianity in our world. Um, if you look to the beginning of the Dark Ages or around that 500 AD mark, you know, particularly the, the 4th, 5th, and 6th centuries. Well, if you go, if you go back to the, the 3rd and 4th century, you see all of a sudden Christianity become the religion of the world. So before this point, Christianity was heavily persecuted under the Roman Empire. You had emperors like Nero and Diocletian and these guys who were just putting people in the Colosseums and, you know, burning them at the stake and hanging them on crucifixes, all these kinds of things for being Christian. Obviously, the original Christian Jesus mm-hmm. was Christ was crucified by the Roman Empire. But then as Christianity spread throughout the Roman Empire, it was just persecuted and persecuted. But the more that it was persecuted the further it spread. And, That's right. And it's amazing to it's see... like fuel on the fire. Like, in a time in which every Christian is just being killed for what they believe in, one-tenth of the Roman Empire was Christian. It's like, you know, and, and, and again, in a time in which the Roman Empire controlled seven-eighths of the world's population. You know, we've never seen, although we have, you know, much bigger population of the world now, China having 1.2 billion people stacks up nothing in terms of a percentage compared to the Roman Empire. And when you're looking at the, the quickness and the explosion of Christianity in the Roman Empire despite the persecution, it's like, wow, this is this is incredible. But then you come to the era of Constantine and all of a sudden there's this flip. And Constantine decides to make Christianity incorporate. Yeah, the, the, essentially the state religion of the Roman Empire. And the reason he does this is, well, he says, oh, I had a dream and this sign conquers, he's the crucifix, that kind of thing. No, really, like the Roman Empire was at threat of falling apart during his era. He's like, what's going to unite people? Oh, well, this new fresh religion that is crossing cultural boundaries and borders. So 
all of a sudden Christianity becomes a state religion. And then you wind forward time until the Roman Empire collapses. And then, you know, the, you know, the institution of the papacy and the political um, power given to the papacy as well by the decree of Justinian in 538. From that point forward, we essentially see the beginning of the Dark Ages and the rising of, again, authoritarian, you know, church and state Christianity that led to the deaths of millions of people from 500 to, you know, all the way up until the the ransacking of the Vatican in 1798 by General Berthier. Um, And you just see, like, millions and millions of people dying Mm -hmm. and, you know, being controlled because of ideological authoritarian Christianity. But this line here that we see, a tiny veneer of Christianity becoming tinier and tinier every year, what we saw then is that the the version of Christianity that was instilled in the Roman Empire, uh, while not this initially, eventually became Roman paganism, with a Christian veneer, baptized or, paganism. That's right. It was a, it was a Christianity skinned version of paganism, but and and here what we're seeing in China is they're saying it's the same thing. It's just Xi Jinping style communism, but with a Christian veneer over the top. And when we had Lyle Southwell on the show, he reported at the time. You know, some of the translations that are coming out uh, as a result of. Chinese Christianity, for example, you know the, the official release um, Bibles that are coming from the from coming from Xi Jinping and whatnot, saying that you know story say the woman at the well, uh, not sorry, not the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, a famous story, and you know um, whoever is guilty cast the first stone, whoever among you who is without guilt cast the first stone, and we see that all the people leave, and Jesus says that beautiful line to the woman, you know, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. It's this beautiful story of forgiveness that Jesus is offering everyone. The the CCP communist Bible version of that goes, everyone leaves because you know no one is without guilt. Then Jesus picks up a stone and stones her to death anyway. Oh, yikes. And it's like, and the message of the story now is submit to authority because authority is perfect. Wow. Similarly to, you know, those who are in authority currently in China. And so we're seeing this message go out. And again, now they're having meetings and they're like, we want to change the face of Christianity across the world. This is what we want to see. So what we really need to do is pray. (laughs) We need to pray for these people. Uh, We need to pray that a true message of Christ goes out. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we are going to have our next quiz for today. All right. This question is uh, goes like this. Palti and Gadiel were, and you've got four options here, A, sons of King David, B, wives of King David, C, two of the ten spies that searched out Canaan, or D, Philistine kings. So those names again were Palti and Gadiel. Were they either sons of King David, wives of King David, two of the ten spies that searched out Canaan, or were they Philistine kings? If you think you know the answer, you can send your text into us. And what's that number, Lawson? It's 0491-064-669, a number that for many of our long-time listeners, I have a couple friends personally who listen to the show and they can just recite the number off by heart. I, I need to work on that. I have multiple times given the number at like the doctor's office or whatever, like accidentally. Um, but yeah, again, that number 491-064-669 and... That question, Palti and Gadiel were A, sons of David, B, wives of David, C, 
two of the ten spies that searched out Canaan, or D, Philistine kings? If you know the answer, 0491-064-669. Actually, with this one, the etymology kind of gives... Well, it clears... It, it deletes one of the answers. The etymology of the words here. If, if you know anything about... Uh, oh, about to, I was about to give too much of a clue. Hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. And we've come to our interview for today. On the phone, we have none other than Dr. John Ashton. John, are you there with us? Uh, yes, good morning, Martin. Oh, we are so stoked and excited to have you on the show. We get you on here pretty regularly to talk about all things, well, basically science and the Bible. And the question is, well, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, at the moment, um, I'm about to go to a faith and science conference oh, wow. uh, that's being organised by the division mm-hmm. um, that's being held on the uh, Gold Coast. And uh, we've got uh, researchers who have come here uh, from around the world, from uh, the United States, uh, from Iceland, and these are uh, uh, scientists that are actually uh, doing research and publishing research in the area that supports the biblical worldview. And this is wow. really exciting to uh, to meet these scientists and um, uh, hear about the work that um, is essentially uh, further substantiating uh, that uh, evolution uh, could not have occurred, uh, is impossible. But the big emphasis has been on the... Uh, the evidence for Noah's flood, wow. <clears throat> and in particular that um, the uh, sediments that we see cannot be millions of years old, mm. and um, uh, the you know the powerful evidence uh, for the flood that is coming up. And one of the things that I found quite um, fascinating uh, as well, because this related to a question one of my grandsons was interested in because when you go to the museums you you see the um, you, the illustrations and perhaps the displays mm. um, uh, suggesting that we evolved from apes mm. and uh, one of the research um, that has been published the, uh, recently in Nature one of the top science journals mm. uh, was that. Um, chimpanzee and human Y chromosomes are remarkably divergent in structure and gene content. So that was the title of the article that was published. And essentially what this says is that the Y chromosome, which is, of course, responsible for maleness um, in chimpanzees and uh, humans, is so different that we could not possibly have evolved from apes. So... That's really, really exciting news that perhaps doesn't get out there Mm. uh, very much. Uh, One of the other things um, I learned from uh, one of the uh, speakers, Dr. Richard Davidson, um, who's uh, one of the theology professors at Andrews University, uh, was uh, with regard to the, the different flood myths around the world and how they are very different in um Content, or content, particularly what they call the Near Eastern flood myths, are very different from the uh, biblical account, and it's the biblical account that really makes the most sense because the Bible talks about God being, you know, quite outside of of His creation mm. and uh, having this authority, whereas 
in the other accounts, they're talking about gods that need to eat or, or gods that are being annoyed because the humans are making too much noise. So, mm. um, there are these, um, uh, and the, the evidence, um, from these other records where people often claim that, oh, you know, Moses just copied, you know, one of the other uh, ancient, uh, uh, sort of tales that was around and, um, he was able to, uh, demonstrate that no, this is, uh, is not the case, both in terms mm. of language and terms, uh, that are used and, um, in, in, in content because the, um, the themes of these other stories are quite different, appeasing the gods and, and so forth. So mm. that, that was really, really interesting, mm-hmm. um, the material. Yeah, absolutely. When, particularly when it comes to understanding the flood and the difference textually between all those myths, you have the Bible, which is attempting to make a historical account by giving, you know, the people who were there and the ages of the people and trying to fit it into a historical timeline versus, yeah, the more kind of mythological, like writings where there's, there's no dates, there's no, Anything like that. It's just, oh, hey, you know, a long, long time ago, this thing happened and there were some people there and, and, um, you know, and the, these gods and, and whatnot. And so we see, yeah, it's, it's like for, for me anyway, making these different comparisons, uh, it's like, wow, it's, it's night and day difference between the flood myths of, of all of these, you know, pagan religions versus what the Bible is laying out because it's attempting to give some level of historicity and credibility to what it's trying to say. Yes, yes. Some of the other things too related to um, <clears throat> uh, the Ice Ages and mm. also there was talk, uh, one of the guys that uh, attended was um, a volcanologist, a geologist oh, wow. from um, Iceland mm. and he is actually on the official team that monitors Surtsey Island and so Surtsey of course was a an island that formed as a result of a volcanic uh, eruption um, mm. in the early 1960s. And uh, he's been part of the team where every two years he goes to search the monitors. That, and, and one of the things, of course, was how quickly um, life uh, you know, formed on the island. Um, and um, also one of the things he said, some of the geological things in that rounded boulders formed in just a few weeks, um, but also there's been massive erosion to the point that there were uh, three islands altogether uh, were formed, uh, but uh, two of the islands have actually eroded away. So just the wave action, the wind action, and the amount of erosion that is taking place um, on Surtsey itself at the moment as well. So you've got two things in that the, the island very quickly um, there were vegetation and, and so forth formed on the uh, island. Mm. Um, but uh, this, again, points to the fact that, again, our continents are eroding away much more rapidly than we imagine. Mm. If we go into sort of millions of years, multiple millions of years, you know, the continents would have eroded away. But one of the other fascinating things that he pointed out was that um, there, there's actually uh, a horizontal tree trunk embedded in one of the sediments. Oh, there's wow. um, actually rocks with fossils in them found on the island. Mm. And so how do you explain these? And the explanation that they have is that the um, there were icebergs in the area that moved from glaciers that carried these rocks that then melted out at sea 
the material was dropped onto the bottom um, on the continental shelf. Of course, that's where the island formed. And then as the volcanic material pushed up and pushed it up, these were pushed up with it. So what it points out is that when we are interpreting, you know, flood mm. uh, geology and this sort mm. of thing, there are some really, you know, weird things would have happened during Noah's flood, you know, mm. <laughs> uh, that explain a lot of the um, things. Mm. Um, the other interesting factors that came out with the Ice Age, because I know I've heard many, a number of people have uh, spoken to me and said, well, look, um, you know, when they do the ice cores, they drill down and uh, in the, uh, you know, the uh, Arctic ice core, they've gone down 110,000 years and in the Antarctic mm. ice core, they've gone down 800,000 years. You know, how can be different? Mm. But it very in- was interesting uh, to have the actual facts uh, explained to us by another guy, Michael Ord, a metrologist who spent a lot of time uh, studying this area and point out yeah. that once they get down around about 300 metres down, they can't distinguish the different layers. Oh, wow. And uh, how these ice ages, supposed ice ages, I mean, oh, sorry, layers, are supposedly based on um, isotope uh, ratios and they now know that these uh, ratios vary just with storms and yeah. even during a single storm, Mm-hmm. You might um, have as many of, um, you know, tens, multiple tens of these layers deposited just during a, a single storm. Mm. So it was very interesting to sort of learn about the the weaknesses in the assumptions that are being made by the people that have a long age worldview. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it, I, the ice, um, the layers of ice has been one that, you know, whenever I've had a conversation with someone like this, and often I'll cite, I'll cite your work, I'll just cite, you know, Evolution Impossible and, and, and whatnot. I'm like, oh, what about this? And then they're like, oh, but Lawson, the icebergs, you know, we've drilled the, or the, you know, the ice cores. We know that it's this many years, but again, it comes with this assumption of, you know, uh, uniformitarianism uh, in terms of how things have developed in our world, which we can observe isn't true, it seems. Mm. Yeah, so it was very exciting to have presentations by people that, um, uh, sort of experts in this area. That's their area. They're, they've mm. been researching it. They actually publish research papers in yes. this area. So that, um, it's so exciting that these people have, uh, come here and, um, you know, spoken about these things too. Mm. Um, the, um, one of the other speakers, uh, uh, Dr. Paul Gim, uh, he, um, uh, from Loma Linda, he spoke on the uh, carbon-14 dating and the carbon-14 dating of dinosaur tissues mm. and um, how uh, a study by a number of scientists was uh, uh, presented at a, um, a, a geophysical uh, conference uh, just a few years ago uh, that showed that these dinosaur fossils, where they carbon-14 dated them from various parts of North America, South America, China and um, and Europe, and they all dated uh, around the same, uh, you know, about or 24, 25,000 years, which when we uh, correct for the 
the older, uh, remember carbon-14 is, is in the atmosphere, and so if there's a lot sure. more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere as there would have been in the past, because we know of all the coal seams and vegetation that there was in the past, mm-hmm. um, you have to correct for that, and it brings it down to just thousands of years. But how... When that, when that work was published at the conference, after the conference, the uh, organisers of the conference deleted that particular paper from the, uh, wow. from the conference records. And um, the, uh, the, the laboratory that actually did the work, uh, at, um, I think it was at the University of uh, uh, Atlanta, uh-huh. Um, that laboratory then later uh, lost a whole lot of its uh, funding. Wow. Uh, I have to remember which um, you, you laboratory it was, but that, that's what happened afterwards. So he said what happened was I had all this evidence there that supported um, it, but because they didn't want to believe it, they then deleted it and they removed it from other people easily getting access to the data. But he had uh, screenshots from the presentation at the conference and so forth. So this wow. is sort of interesting to understand that this is actually going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so it was, uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty exciting uh, to learn about, um, uh, you know, these sort of things. Um, one of the other um, question, uh, one of the other things that came up was when you look at the geological column, they do overall tend to date them at, at different um, uh, dates that seem to fit the standard geological column as you go down. But, of course, uh, one of the things is that uh, the, the dates widely vary, mm. but also it can be uh, sim- seems to uh, simply relate to leaching rates at the different, mm. at the different levels. And so um, – and the other evidence that it, the, these layers, such as in the Grand Canyon, can't be – very old, um, some evidence that was put up by Dr. Leonard Brand, which is published, who's published a lot of work in this area, was called bioturbation. And this is where you have a layer deposited, and what happens is the little creepy crawlies disturb that layer mm. very quickly, and you get, get weathering. Mm. And uh, what he pointed out is when they count all these layers up and, and get their millions of years, there's no bioturbation uh-huh. between them, and yet they represent very, you know, large amounts of time. Yeah. Um, and so this is very powerful evidence that these layers were laid down in very quick succession. Wow. Um, you know, weeks, months, sort of time, impossible for millions of years. So wow. it was really exciting to get, uh, you know, from one speaker, one researcher after another. The mm. overwhelming evidence for a, a young Earth. It's been very exciting. Absolutely. Hey, John, thank you so much for joining us this morning. As you said, incredibly exciting times. We're going to continue on with the show right now. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.